Welcome to the Learn to Lead podcast brought to you by Ability, an experiential learning company based in beautiful Austin, Texas. I'm your host, Matthew Confer, and today on the show, we have Kathy Hackle, a futurist who was named one of the 10 most influential women in tech in 2020 by Big Think. She is also a global advisor for the VRAR Association. Her work has been featured by CNN, NBC News, and Forbes. She was also included in the Thinkers 50 Radar list of 30 management thinkers most likely to shape the future of how organizations are managed and led. Thanks so much for joining us today, Kathy. I'm excited to be here. I'm going to kick us off with something that I actually didn't mention in the introduction. You received your undergraduate degree in journalism and then received a master's in communication and international studies. You're now viewed as one of the leading tech futurists and an expert in spatial computing and virtual reality. So how did your career evolve? Yeah, so the way I always explain it to people is um, I arrived at virtual reality kind of by accident. Uh, but it was very serendipitous after that. Um, so it was very clear to me kind of what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And, and this is how I explain it. So back in 2004, uh, I was working in journalism. I was working at CNN. And part of my job there was to look at all the raw footage that was coming in from the war in Iraq, right? So I always joke that I was a Facebook moderator before there were Facebook moderators, because uh, I had to, you know, part of my job was to sit through really horrible things. And when you have a type of role, you kind of turn your, your humanity switch off just a little bit or maybe dial it so that you can go home and you can actually have a life, right? Because it's very traumatizing. And for me, it wasn't until about six years ago that I went to an event, I put, on, I put on a VR headset, and I went into an experience called confinement by The Guardian. And it puts you in a very small solitary confinement cell where you know prisoners spend 90% of their time. And within, within a couple minutes, I just felt completely claustrophobic. I took the headset off and I said, this is the future of storytelling or training or business, or I don't know what it was, but this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And it was a very, very intentional pivot, a very hard pivot into a new career. And fast forward six years, you know, I've worked with some of the top names in the industry, like HTC Vive, Magic Leap, Amazon Web Services. And, you know, it's been, um, it's been quite a ride after that. Many of our listeners probably wouldn't describe themselves as tech futurists and virtual reality might not play a role in their day to day, but maybe it will in the future. What trends as business leaders do we need to be aware of in order to stay competitive in today's ever changing business world? Yeah, so I think business leaders need to, I always say this, I think business leaders are going to need emotional intelligence. Uh, to lead, but they're also going to need futures intelligence to succeed. And as a futurist, I kind of describe what I do every day as almost like, um, you know, futurists, in, in essence, we trade in uncertainty or we deal with uncertainty. Um, so, you know, a day trader would wake up and see, you know, four or five, six screens in front of them or looking at what the trades are doing, what the stocks are doing and stuff. Um, what I do is I wake up every day and I scan the horizon, I scan the news, I scan, you know, not just tech, because I, I do, you know, work in tech and that's kind of my main focus. But I look at political, I look environmental, I look at, you know, cultural, so many different things. And I try to make an understanding of what are the emerging trends, what are the signals and where are things going to go and how could that impact my clients, right? So um, so I think that in some way, the leaders, the, the new leaders need to have some type of awareness of what I call features intelligence and be asking what if, 
right? If the pandemic has taught us anything is that we need to make sure that we're always asking what if X happened? I wanted to go there. And, and so I'm really happy. It's a nice lead in as a tech futurist. If you have that lens, what surprised you the most about the world's reaction to COVID? And when you think about the future of work, something that you've talked about and, and wrote about, what are we underestimating in terms of the importance it will play in our working lives? Yeah, so I think there were two things that surprised me is what everyone was saying, this is a black swan event. And as a futurist, I can tell you this was not a black swan event. You know, there's ton, there was tons of people that were tracking the signals that knew this was about to happen at any point. No one could really tell when, right? But, you know, you even had like that Bill Gates TEDx talk from a couple of years back. So it wasn't a true black swan event. So it was funny when you started hearing people say it was a black swan event. It's like, no, not really. So that was a little bit, you know, interesting to watch from my perspective. Um, a true black swan event is something that, you know, you could just not plan, like there's no way that there was something that just would be really, really difficult to happen and, and stuff. So, so that was one of the things. And I would say the other thing is, you know, while I, you know, when we started getting into the pandemic, I understood a few things. I, I knew that, you know, the technology was going to be accelerated, like the adoption of virtual reality and augmented reality were going to be accelerated. I didn't realize how fast it would be accelerated. The timeline has been accelerated, you know, what we th where we thought we were going to be in 2025 is slowly starting to happen, um, you know, this year. So I think that that's one of the things that surprised me is the, the acceleration and the level of acceleration when it comes to adoption of virtual reality and augmented reality. That definitely surprised me. When you think about the metaverse, which is something that you've talked about, can you first start by defining and giving us a sense of what that is and why does a lot of your work focus there? Where do you think that is going and why do you think it has power or, or maybe more broadly staying power? Yeah, so what we're, you know, what we're phasing right now with the metaverse and, and there's many different terms to, to describe what, you know, what's ahead of us, but it's kind of like the next version of the internet. You know, if the internet revolutionized Anyone that this, and you know, if anyone listening here, the internet revolutionized your business, which I'm sure it did. Um, you know, this is important. That's why I do a lot of work with with and around the metaverse and helping companies and CEOs understand what is the metaverse, how do they enter the metaverse, what is their strategy, and the metaverse in essence is really when the digital and the physical collide. Um, it's when the world becomes machine readable, searchable, clickable. And it's this convergence of, like I said, the virtual and the physical. Um, it's a sci-fi term. So if anyone hears it, they're like, well, it's not sci-fi. It was a sci-fi term that was, um, I believe, was first coined by um, Neil Stevenson, a sci-fi writer who I actually got the chance to work with at Magic Leap. He was our futurist there. And he's the first one that used the term. Um, so people tend to think of the metaverse and they think to go straight to ideas of like the Oasis and read in the movie Ready Player One and the books Ready Player One. Um, or they think, you know, more on the virtual reality side. To me, the metaverse is a lot broader and encompasses, you know, both a virtual world, but also uh, virtual elements in our, in our, in our physical reality. Um, so it's going to have a huge impact in the way we engage with our physical world. And that's, I think, the, the, the most important part there and why I think a lot of companies need to start thinking about it. Um, I will share, Matthew, a, a big signal that I, I saw recently was during the Roblox IPO um, when the shares went live and seeing CNBC, for example, covering um, that and talking about the metaverse on CNBC multiple times. Um, that to me was a really interesting signal. 
one thing that I think we all hope to have is a beneficial and very healthy relationship with technology. You're obviously embedded um, fully in this world. What sort of suggestions do you have for people who want to get the benefits of technology, want to stay connected with people that they don't live near, want to use it to benefit their career, but also want to have a healthy relationship with it and not have it feel like it takes over their life? Yeah, I mean, I think just like anyone, I have breaks. I have times that I just, you know, I'm away from uh, electronics. I do the same with my children. There are breaks. Um, you know, I think that, you know, spending time doing something that is good for your mental health um, is very important as well. And just kind of having those, you know, that balance. Um, you know, obviously, I spend a lot more time on electronics, like virtual reality headsets than the regular person does, obviously. Um, but I do think that there needs to be a balance. What I think is interesting and where I think it's gonna, it's gonna get quite, um, you know, I wouldn't say complicated, where it's gonna get really interesting, I think, is when we move away from our phones and our computers, right now I'm doing this interview, you know, for example, on my computer, which is a flat, a flat surface. Um, and for a lot of us, our phones are kind of like an extension of ourselves. Uh, when we move away from those devices that are flat into glasses, you know, and this is not a question of, oh, you know, is this going to happen? No, it's a question of when, um, is, you know, when we move into glasses and we move into wearables, data and information is going to be put in front of us. And that's where I think it's going to be a really interesting balance. And we're, we're, we're going to need, you know, there's going to, you know, we're going to need, um, you know, there's going to need to be regulations in some ways, or, you know, at least standards to help make sure that the things that we're seeing in front of our eyes, are, you know, are the right things. And, um, and also, you know, at the end of the day, you're also going to be able to take off the glasses hmm. uh, or the contact lenses, but that's further down in the future. Um, but, you know, so, so yeah, I think that, you know, always making some type of balance between your digital life and your, and your physical life and trying to spend some time on both of them. You, you've touched on this a little bit, but I'm curious, when you look out on the horizon, what makes you the most optimistic that you see? And where do you foresee things that give you, I guess, a sense of pessimism or things that we still need to work on to get the best without some of the worst parts of technology? So where are you the most optimistic yeah. and where do you have some sense of pessimism? So this is where I am. This is a really interesting question because for me, I don't tend to be dystopian, which is like Terminator, you know, destroys the world or utopian where it's all popcorn and unicorns. Like I'm not, I'm in the middle in something called protopia. I'm a protopian and where I understand the technology will help us as humans become better, but there will also be challenges. So to answer your question, you know, I'm excited about the technology that's upon us. There are things that keep me up at night. Um, for example, obviously in the United States, we're going through, you know, a time where a lot of people are divided, even within families. There's a lot of division um, along many different lines. And I think that that is worrisome, right? Um, so, so, you know, making sure that we have some type of standards and safeguards so that some of the things in the echo chambers and the situations that have happened with social media don't happen in these new, you know, in the metaverse and these, these new spaces. Um, so, you know, I, I do see, for example, when I see my children engage with, for example, something like Roblox. So to them, Roblox is not a video game. To them, if you ask them, they say it's a community, right? So that is their social network, right? That is, the, in, I always say gaming in some way is the next social network. And, um, and you know, I kind of see how, you know, a company like Roblox is trying to push for civility. Um, you know, they're really trying to push that. They're doing a lot of things with content moderation. And while it's not perfect, I think that there's a lot there. And I think that, 
those types of companies that value civility, the value, you know, respecting the user and making sure that children are safe um, are going to be incredibly important. Um, so yeah, I would say the only, the other thing that keeps me up at night is um, bring computer interface, and maybe this is another podcast, um, but it's pretty much connecting our brains to technology. Um, I've been able to, to try about four or five of the external brain computer devices. So through using those devices, for example, I'm able to scroll my iPad just with my thoughts, or I'm able to turn on lights just by thinking about it, or I'm able to play a game or input a code just by thinking of it or seeing it on the screen. Um, so, you know, one of the things that stuck with me is I, I love the technology. I love the ability for people that are differently able to be able to use these technologies to do jobs that they weren't able to do before. And I think it's going to have a lot of amazing applications. Um, but in reality, one thing that really stuck with me, Matthew, after trying these devices is that my brain, my brain actually really, really likes using them. Hmm. Like really, like just thinking about it, I can feel the sensors lighting up of how excited I am. And I'm like, I'm still sitting with that. And sometimes it keeps me up at night. I'm trying to think about, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Um, so yeah, you know, what else? You know, I am a futurist. So those things do keep me up at night. As, as we close out here, before going to the final two questions that I ask all of our guests, I, I'd love to ask, you've had the pleasure of working with some of the most cutting edge companies in the world. When you look at your time at those firms and you think about some of the leaders there who were the most successful or most inspiring, what are some of the traits that you think future leaders should have from the lessons that you've learned from watching some of these leaders at truly mind bending companies? I would say a few of the things that I noticed of the people I really admired, um, empathetic, you know, very empathetic towards their workers. Um, I like, you know, I also think the leaders that were more like coaches instead of, you know, trying to manage down or I don't know what the right terminology would be, but I think that the ones that act are more like coaches and really try to help others get, be better and become better. I thought that was great. Um, you know, I, it, it's really interesting because when I think about the future of work, um, there's, a t there's a statistic that says that half of the children born today are going to live uh, past 103, right? So that's a long time to live, right? And I started to think about what does that mean? I mean, it feels to me that the idea of career, the idea of profession is going to change and evolve. Um, you know, these children are going to have multiple jobs and multiple careers, and they're going to pivot and do many things. So I think that, you know, adaptability and resilience are going to be critical for those that manage the younger generations and also younger workers. Well, I've really enjoyed this conversation. And that comment right there is a wonderful spot to shift to our final two rapid fire questions that I get to ask all of our guests. And the first one is this, if you could describe your personal leadership style, but I only gave you one word, what would that word be? Future. <laughs> Easy as that. Future. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the final rapid fire question is this, what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? Oh my goodness. Um, hmm. I don't know how to, so someone said this to me in, in Spanish. Um, so I'm not sure how to translate it in English, but it's something like tell God your plans and he's going to laugh. Um, <laughs> because, you know, you can have lots of plans made, but you don't really know what's going to happen in the future. Um, you know, with many different things. So, so yeah, you know, you can have a lot of plans. A lot of us had many plans for last year, right? Uh, and it all changed. Um, so yeah, that is, it's not so much, it's, it's a piece of advice in the sense that, you know, always be open to anything happening and any possibility. 
Well, always be opening to the possibilities is a wonderful spot to close this out. Thank you so much for joining us today. Where can our listeners find out more about you? Yeah, they can find me on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash IN slash Kathy Hackle. That's where I really share a lot of really, you know, videos and cutting edge technology and thoughts and articles. I also write for Forbes, so they can find me in Forbes and all across social media, Clubhouse especially right now. Perfect. Well, thanks for the wonderful insight. And thank you to all of our great listeners for joining us. If you enjoyed today's show, we would love a rating and review in your podcast app of choice. And we truly appreciate it when you share this show or any of our shows with your network. You can find me on social media at Matthew Confer. You can find our show on Instagram at Learn to Lead Podcast. And you can find our organization at ability.com. Be sure to subscribe so that you get our next episode. And I want to thank all of you for joining us on the Learn to Lead podcast.